might be really odd to see it literally, but I'm a little nervous this morning, this afternoon. But I trust that the Lord will have his way in this place. Because it's not about me. I don't have confidence in myself, but I have confidence in the God that I serve. And I know that he can do anything that he desires. At any moment, at any time, he can do it. He can speak a word if he wants. He can heal a body if he wants. He can save a soul if he wants. At the end of first service, the Lord began to talk to me. And there is a missionary bishop that is on the ground in a European nation that will send correspondence to you. And you will hear from the Lord. He didn't tell me what nation, and I don't have to know it all. But God knows. We must um, not put God in a box and say, oh, you can only do it this way, God, and you can only do it if I can figure it out, Lord. God doesn't operate that way. We see that. And I am so thankful for what he is doing in this body. I'm going to go to um, 2 Chronicles. You do not have to stand. I'm going to jump around quite a bit. Second Chronicles chapter, chapter 14. Let's start there. I'm going to paraphrase some too so you can just follow along with me. This is the story of King Asa. He was a king over Judah. The Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 14 that in his days the, the land was quiet for 10 years. There was peace in the land. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. Well, what did he do? He took away the altars of the strange gods. He cut down the images, the high places, and the groves. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers. Verse 6, it talks about how he built fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest. And he had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. But look at verse 7. In this time of rest, he tells Judah, let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers, gates and bars while the land is yet before us because we have sought the Lord our God. He hath given us rest on every side. If you'll recall, Minister Ruth Jackson talked about how there are seasons where the Lord allows us to rest. But a resting season is not a dormant season. 
there is still things to be done, and she brought that out. Well, King Asa understood that as well. Since our hands are not busy in war at this time because the Lord has allowed rest to come upon us, we must fortify and build the city. Verse 8 talks about Asa having an army of men. And it gives us the number of men he had in being about 580,000 men. And notice they carried shields, they carried spears, and they drew bows. Now that's important to note because in verse 9 it says, And there came out against them Zerah the, the Ethiopian. And in his army he had a million men. With 300 chariots. So not only was King Asa's army smaller in number than the Ethiopians, but their manner of warfare was a little bit different because they had an extra method. With chariots, you were able to kill more of the enemy than just being on foot. Verse 10, Asa went out against him. Verse 11, Asa realizes where he is standing. He understands the number of men he has versus the number of men Zerah has. And he cried unto the Lord in verse 11. And he said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help. One word from the Lord can change everything. It's not hard for you to do, God, the impossible. And he is acknowledging that God can do anything. Whether you've got many, Lord, or them that have no power. You can use a group of people that are great in number, you can use a small group if you want. You can use God, an army that has all the weaponry that you could come up with. Or God, you can use an army that has no weaponry. King Asa put no limitations Oh God. He understood who he was and what he could do. He says, help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. We are relying on thee. And in thy name, we will go against this multitude. Let no man prevail against thee. And that is exactly what happens. The next scripture talks about, so the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa. Asa's army did not smite the Ethiopians. The Bible says that the Lord smote them. However he chose to smote them was up to God. But God did it because King Asa called out to the one that he knew could help him. Now, we know all this, church family. We know who to call on. We know where our help comes from. 
And so I said, God, you know, this is nothing new. This is nothing revelatory. But I said, perhaps, Lord, there's something coming. That this particular message needs to be in the forefront of our mind. That whenever it is our instinct in any given situation that we immediately call on the name of the Lord. The Bible goes on to talk about King Asa in chapter 15 and how the Lord sent a man of God to him and began to tell him that the Lord is with you and while you be with him, if you will stay with the Lord, he will be with you. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So King Asa began to gather the people of Judah. And in verse 12, they began to enter into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and all their soul. They believed this so much that in verse 13, the Bible says that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. I want you to go to verse 16. They've made this covenant with the Lord. King Asa has taken the words of this man of God and he has grabbed them and he has obeyed them. But it come at a cost, verse 16. And also concerning that woman's name. Machai? Macha, that's it. That sounds like a dance. Um, uh, whatever they say. Concerning this woman, the Bible says the mother of Asa the king. The word mother there can, can break down into mother or grandmother. And if you'll look in First um, uh, Kings chapter 15, this particular woman was the grandmother of Asa. But concerning her, he, King Asa, removed her from being queen. Why? Because she had made an idol in a grove. So it didn't matter the familiarity that he had with this particular woman. It did not matter her position in the kingdom. He had authority and a covenant with the Lord to remove her. So I speak to you today that it doesn't matter your familiarity with someone that is telling you something false. You have authority to close your ears and to cut them off. As I began to read this, it's amazing to me the relationship there. That was a close relationship. And sometimes we think, oh, our family, you know, they've known us the longest, Brother Gallego. Oh, this is my grandmother. She was probably there when I was born. But if you'll remember what Jeremiah said, the Lord spoke to him and said, before you were formed, 
hand in the belly, I knew you. So there is no one on this earth that knows you better than God Almighty. And what relationship is more important than your relationship with the Lord? So notice what he did here. That woman had made an idol in a grove. So Asa didn't just go and pick it up and throw it in the trash and hope waste management came and got it. But look what the Bible says. He cut down her idol. He stamped it and he burnt it at the book of Kidron. So whomever, Reverend Sandoval, you are talking about today that has idols you have brought in your home, I am telling you in the Holy Ghost, don't you just kind of get rid of it or push it under a rug, but you better burn that thing and you don't let it come close again. That's how important it was to King Asa that he keep the covenant with the Lord. But as Paul Harvey says, y'all know who that is? There's the rest of the story. When I, when I first began to study, that particular scripture jumped out at me. And so I stayed there for a bit. Let me see how much time I got. So I stayed there for a minute. Now listen, if we weren't in the house of God, and if Bishop wasn't over here, I may have to be like, listen here. But since we are, I forgive you, Reverend Massey. I don't even know where I was. The rest of the story, Paul Harvey... And now for the rest of the story. So the Lord told me to keep reading. All of this up until this point with King Asa is good. He's a good man. Good man of God. But in chapter 16 of 2 Chronicles in verse 1, the 36th year of his reign, he didn't know it at the time, but this is toward the end of his reigning over Judah. Basha, the king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah. The kingdom of Israel was north. kingdom of Judah was south. The king of Israel, Basha at that time, wanted to build Ramah or Ramah. I'm not sure exactly how to say it. And it was going to be a fortress, but why? To the intent that he might not let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. So he wanted to stop people from going in and coming out of Judah. Asa didn't like this, and rightfully so. But don't we remember that when it, when it come to Zerah and the Ethiopians, that king Asa called on the name of the Lord. So he knew what to do, but somewhere in these years, something shifted in King Asa. And so now he's bringing out silver and gold out of the house of the Lord. And he's telling 
He's sending a servant to the king of Syria. And he's going to make an alliance with an idolatrous nation to defeat King Basha. So the king of Syria linked up with King Asa and the king of Syria to distract Basha from making that fortress. The king of Syria begins to attack Israel in the northern part of the country, farthest from Judah. So now all the attention King Basha had on this particular fortress now had to be diverted to where the king, of Assyria, the king of Assyria was attacking them. So Asa, I'm sure, is patting himself on the back. Because when they left building that fortress, Judah went and took every, all the materials. But if you'll look in verse 7, the Bible says, At that time, Hanani the seer, Thank God for the seer. Thank God for the seers of this body. Thank God for those that see what the Lord wants them to see. Who hears the voice of God. Came to King Asa. And said because you've relied on the king of Syria. And you have not relied on the Lord your God. Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of your hand. In verse 8, he reminds King Asa of what took place with Zerah and the Ethiopians and how God came forth on his behalf because he called on him. Look at verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Well, we've heard how the adversary is like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. And we've heard how the adversary in Job went to the throne of God and God said, what are you doing here? And he said, I've been walking back to and from the earth. But let me tell you, our God's eyes are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's not looking to destroy like the adversary is, but he is looking to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward them to show strong means to strengthen to encourage to fortify or to cleave so he is looking to cleave to those he is looking to encourage those he is looking to help those he is looking to fortify those whose heart we know bishop has taught us it's our mind our thought process our feelings is perfect not that we don't mess up but our heart is whole we are trying our best to be obedient to the lord our God is searching for a people and he has found a people in this place. <sighs> so instead of Asa receiving that word like he received the previous word from the man of God, he become angry. Verse 12. In the 39th year of his reign, King Asa was diseased in his feet. 
until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. We know physicians are used by God, but our first avenue is unto God Almighty, unto the great physician. So somewhere along the way, Brother Gonzalez, King Asa thought he could do all of his own accord. I was ironing the armor bearer's clothes on Monday night. <laughs> and uh, blessed, I started hearing a click, 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 click. Like, oh no. So I unplugged the iron, I plugged it right back in. Click, 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 click. I'm like, oh man. Thank the Lord, Ambassador, I was about finished. So if you seen him on Monday night and one of his sleeves was wrinkled, that was why I was on the last sleeve. But I, uh, I knew my iron was gone. Hurt my feelings a little bit because this iron we bought before our Hannah was even born. So it's over 12 years old. It's probably about 13 or 14 I'm like, oh, man, it's come 800 miles to Texas, my iron. So needless to say, this iron was a good iron. We got our money's worth out of it. So I thought, I got I to gotta have a new one. So I got online and began to look. I did not search for an iron of a different brand than what I had that what had just went out on me. Because this particular iron had lasted for this many years. This was a good iron. So I went searching, Reverend Sandoval, for the same brand of iron. Let me tell you, if prayer has worked for you before, why would we search for anything different than prayer? If this word has worked for you in the past, why do we need a self-help book? If the counsel of the man of God has worked for you in the past, why are you going to a therapist? So my iron came in. Hallelujah. A day later than it was supposed to, but I'm thankful. And it said, made in Germany. I said, there's two things that's come out of Germany that's good, Bishop. Sister Melanie and my iron. That is a silly illustration, church family. But if God has worked for you before and we know he has, why would we seek anything different? Why would we try it on our own? King Asa, why didn't you learn the first time? God is enough for us. He is more than what we need. 
And I don't know, like I said, if this is for just us to have in the forefront of our mind. If there is something coming, Lord, we will make sure that we seek you first. I have asked God to let it be a reflex in me where I don't even have halfway think about it. And I immediately call on his name. Last verse of scripture, and I'm going to get out of the way. Micah chapter 4, verse 5. Micah chapter 4 and verse 1 talks about, uh, Micah was saying that in the last days, so I'll preface it with that, in the last days, I believe that's where we are. Verse 5, so much of what Pastor Hildebrand, Pastor Sandoval said this morning, and even what Bishop talked about in corporate prayer, I'm like, oh Lord, you are so good for confirmation. Verse 5, for all people, the totality, everybody, remember in the last days, for all people will walk everyone in the name of his God. You're serving a God. Hopefully it's the one true God. But everybody on this earth is serving some kind of God. Whether it's a false God that they've erected in their own minds. Or whether it's God Almighty. But look what the next portion of that scripture says. All people are going to walk in the name of his God. And we will walk in the name of the Lord God forever and ever. If you break that word name down in this scripture, we know what a name is. But it means renown. It means fame. And by implication, it means honor. It means authority. And it means character. So we will walk in the authority of the Lord our God. We will walk in the honor of the Lord our God forever and ever. We will walk in his character. We will walk in his fame. We will walk in his renown. Can you clap your hands to the Lord all over this building? Can you thank him that every time we've called on his name, he has showed up for us? Can you thank him for what he is doing, not only in this place, but every nation connected to this body? Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we thank you for what you are doing. And Lord, we tell you this day that we, God, will call on your name. And we will not rely on the arms of the flesh. Thank you, Lord. Are you sure? 